Welcome to Nourishing Conversations with Nicole and Christine. I'm Nicole Rascal, a journalist and certified culinary nutrition expert here in the French Riviera. And my name is Christine Kilbeck. I am a registered nutritional therapist, a Pilates and Extend Bar instructor here in the Riviera. We created this podcast as a way to showcase the plethora of health and wellness uh, products, people, services that is here within the Côte d'Azur. And we thought we should not only help small businesses get seen and recognition, but also because it's fascinating. We could talk for hours. We could talk forever about <laughs> this subject. So do join us on our podcasts and uh, let's jump into the episode. So welcome. Today we are going to be talking about antibiotics and antibiotic resistance. And we have none other than a very popular uh, homeopath with us today. Um, Julie Edgley is a working homeopath in Moansar 2, and she has an excellent program about helping people, especially kids, get off of or find alternatives to um, antibiotics. Uh, she also has a very popular Instagram page where she does lots of lives and talks about toxin-free cosmetics. So make sure to check out Julia Homeopath. Yes, on yes. Uh, on Instagram. So um, welcome, Julia. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about antibiotics. And they're amazing. They've saved so many people's lives. We need them. Yeah. But we've also had them overly prescribed, overly used, and now we're looking at antibiotic resistant strains of bacteria that nothing seems to kill and it's winding up killing people. Mm. So yes, explain that a little bit. Why are we in this situation? So um, to understand antibiotics and how we've gotten to antibiotic resistance, you have to understand that antibiotics have only just been very recently discovered in terms of modern medicine. It's only in the last century. And they, it was at a time where um, all disease was a, a difference between terrain theory and germ theory, whereas everything pathology in the body is to do with outside, so the germ, and not how our body processes. So now medicine is starting to really come about and think, oh, actually, it's a mixture of both. So it was this As we learn search... more about the microbiome and what's happening. Exactly. So um, at that stage as well, there was only really little known about the bacteria. There was known there was bacteria in the body, but not what it does. Not these days that we know it's an organ as well, a microbiome. So there was a looking for something that would kill off the, the, ex, um, the invader, the pathogen. And that is a bacteria. And that was what antibiotics were used for. Over time, and like you said, they have saved millions of lives. And even to this day, they do save lives. They are incredible. I respect antibiotics so much. That's why I don't want you to use them. That's my saying. Okay. Because um, what happens is, is antibiotics only work against a bacterial infection. What is interesting is they do have a slight anti-inflammatory function that has only recently developed. So they can look like they're working against a virus, but they're not killing off any viruses. So what is happening now is antibiotics are being given when it's a viral infection. Now we know about the microbiome, it's killing off a certain percentage of our microbiome enough to create this imbalance for pathogenic bacteria and inhibiting the growth of or killing off good bacteria. 
what I and kind we, of we need that good bacteria because most exactly. of your system is in your intestines is that the terrain theory we now know that your your uh, gut flora will protect you against further bacterial infections mm. so the reason we're getting resistance is because our bacteria will adapt to any bacteria will adapt to it yeah. So now that they're adapt, adapting to certain, bio, uh, there's different types of antibiotics adapting to them. They're not working anymore. So they have become very intelligent. The bacteria, pathogenic bacteria going, right, I just keep growing. You can give me as much as you want. And I'm just going to uh, keep developing. And that's the problem that we're in now, because it's not just necessarily the antibiotics. This is the problem we're facing that are being given prescribed to us. It's in our food. It's in the environment. Yeah. So and actually it's more, go sorry. ahead. I was just going to say that because of these, um, this antibiotic resistance what I like is that you are approaching mothers with young kids and teaching them from a young age yeah. because it's the young kids and the older people over 60 to be fair plus those that have Good a point. immune um imbalance immune um down regulation of their immune system that are going to be most at risk from any bacterial infection that they pick up Exactly. And actually, I really br uh, brilliant that you brought over over 60s is because I am now warning that over 60s overuse of antibiotics can yeah. lead to C. diff, which yeah. is very complicated to treat. So I'm always talking to my um, my patients over 60. I'm like, you need to be wary of these and always get tested. If you have, uh, is there any sign that you have C. diff? Mm -hmm. Can you explain what C. diff is briefly? Um, I'm not know. great at pronouncing it. So Christine, can you pronounce that for me? <laughs> Clostridium difficile. There you go. It's, it's, it's very, very, um, it's very pathogenic. It is, it creates what looks like bacterial infection. It's a bacterial infection of the lower uh, intestines. Mm -hmm. It creates uh, blood, bacteria, um, pus, oozing, all of this. Yeah. Sounds nasty. It is very nasty and quite difficult to treat. I love oh. as well that you brought up about children because as with children, this is why I'm, I talk about treating kids all the time. One, because children respond very quickly and I'm mm -hmm. impatient. So that's fantastic. But also <laughs> because the first three years of a child's life, anybody's life, our lives governs how well our immune system is going to work later on in life. Yeah. And the, the three aspects to make sure you have a balanced microbiome is how you're born, how you're fed and if antibiotics were used. Yeah, and apparently antibiotics are the leading cause of emergency room visits for children. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and they also have they also end up with the potential side effects of like the allergy yeah. reactions, the fungal infections, the diarrhea, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, antibiotics yeah. is the leading cause of emergency room visits for for kids. They're reacting to reacting against the antibiotics. Yeah. that's what I was saying to you. Is like when people think antibiotics. It's a conversation everyone thinks has been had. It's like, oh, well, this kills off your gut flora. It's like, that is, I was saying to Christine, that is actually the best case scenario. There is yeah. far more uh, side effects than we think. I was actually looking at research about um, depression and anxiety disorders following on from a, an anti a dose of antibiotics. Now, uh, correlation does not necessarily equal causation, but there is a link. And if you think of the anxiety children these days are suffering with, it's, mm. it's not just about the microbiome. There's a lot more to them yeah well there I, is a massive father, connection isn't there between the gut and the brain so yeah however it's logical. you treat your gut's gonna affect your brain too yeah my father had a terrible side effect from an antibiotic uh for urinary tract infection after um after a prostate procedure or something yeah. he had and it actually gave him foot drop which then oh. caused a whole bunch of other things so he found yeah. this entire strain of antibiotics that he's not allowed to have yeah, because he had physical, muscular, and tendon 
reaction. Yeah. I guess it, it like dries up the tendon until it just snaps. Yeah, something. I can't. You can oh, no longer lift your foot. Yep. It's, this, it's been it's been a nightmare for him. I think that's similar to the antibiotic that you that was used to treat Helicobacter pylori. I think I, so. I think so because it's a very common antibiotic. Yeah. And, but there's thousands of people that have this reaction to it. And if you look at the side effects of antibiotics, one of them is like outbursts of anger. We we're talking about um, like one is foot That's drop, an outburst, and one was helicobacter. I had that. I had that reaction. It's really <laughs> not fun to be around. And I was like, what is wrong with me? This is not me. Like I'm I'm blunt, but I'm not. I don't think I'm aggressive. So I looked. I was like, oh, my God, it's known. Interesting. That is it's interesting. interesting. And I don't know if people are really told the full the full side of possible side effects of, of no. most drugs actually and to be honest with you when your body's fighting off a bacterial infection it's scary because like you said to me about a uti utis and um, lower respiratory tract infections they're things you don't mess around with so even if i have yeah, patients in contact with me yeah. exactly septic and um sepsis and i was thinking like they would even for me i'm like okay we, we need 12 to 24 hours to get a reaction otherwise we need antibiotic and then we figure out again terrain theory why you're getting these so um there there are things you don't mess around with and this is why i think it's really empowering when you're trying to avoid the antibiotic is to teach people the red flag symptoms yeah. to know what you're looking for when you need to see the doctor and um, they're not I'm the end of the world seeing about that and the sort of the older population because i myself yeah. are in that generation but even oh. menopausal women <laughs> i am seeing a lot of menopausal women UTIs. yeah yeah. yeah, and vaginal dysbiosis. And when you go over the timeline, the amount of antibiotics they have been prescribed over yeah. their lifetime, but mm. never been told how to then support their gut afterwards, you know, afterwards. through diet yeah. or even the simplest thing that they can do in the pharmacy is give you a probiotic as well to take either after or separate from the yeah. antibiotic um, to protect them a little bit. But, you know, this yeah. is only recent they've been doing that. So these people yeah. that have grown up over the last 20, 30 years haven't been given the probiotics as well. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. And it changes through generations. That's how you see the microbiome, the profile goes through yeah. generations. Not that I say that's genetic. No. You know, it's not that genetic, but you can see and why, because as a, a child, the skin to skin, you're exposed to the microbiome of a parent. It goes through generations. Yeah. So let's talk about the alternatives and what okay. you do. And you have a thing called the ABC method. Yes. What is that? So the so I'm a homeopath, so I use homeopathic remedies and historically homeopathic remedies, in my opinion, have really shone when it comes to um, viral and bacterial infections around the world. So if you want to look up past research, you can look at um, the Society of Homeopaths and you can look up the Homeopathic Research Institute. They have past papers to demonstrate this. So I use a specific method of homeopathic remedies because, and I, just to give a reason why, is I have a lot of parents, as Christina was saying that, or you were saying that, come to see me, who are freaked out. They can't learn a whole system. They're overwhelmed. So I, I broke it down to a strategy. So I have three stages to what we call an acute, whether it be viral or bacterial. Majority of it is used for a viral infection. As I said, the problem with antibiotic overuse and misuse is that it's used in viral infections. Yeah. There is no time to, doctors are not testing um, glare, mucus to mm -hmm. see if it's bacterial or viral. So they just give the antibiotics. And that's the problem we're in. And um, the other alternative now, nowadays, which seems like 
so I'm going off tangent now. It seems like a benefit, like, oh, well, just watch, watch and wait. But that's not the problem either, because as the body is really struggling to fight off a viral infection, and there's a reason for that, they, then there can, can be the secondary bacterial infection, and then they end up getting the, the antibiotics. So I break these viral, these acute disorders into three stages. So there's the inflammation stage, there's the mucus stage, it was actually called the suppurative stage, but no, I couldn't even pronounce it quickly. Mm. So we call it the mucus stage, and then there's the recovery stage. When you break these down into three separate stages and have remedies for each stage, it becomes very easy and very accessible to anybody who's really wanted to use homeopathy, but found it really confusing. And that's the whole methodology broken down. And how can people go in and find your program? Um, so it's on my website. It's on my Instagram profile. And if you look up Julia Edgley ABC method, it will pop up in cert most search engines. And they can follow this program in their own time when it suits them. Anytime. Right. You have unlimited access. It's seven video modules, but there's also downloadable um, uh, transcribed uh, workbook so you can have mm -hmm. that and then afterwards which the reason why I never I've been doing this for over a decade so but the reason I never brought it to a course is because I needed people to follow up there's always those it's a bit like the French language yes yeah. but yeah so now I have actually um the ABC community so it's a follow-up group that anyone can ask questions and I'm there to support going no this is now you need to check up and see a doctor or I think it's this you can't diagnose online but you can really support and I, I'm quite impressed of how quickly parents have picked this up and individuals have picked this up but uh, there is ongoing support with it that's great and so how how young can the child be to be able to use these homeopathic remedies any age any age whatsoever right. usually it's it's from four months that's i that's the patients that i usually see because it's always around four months i'll tell you why the teething starts and mm -hmm. so the kids will get this cough and the doctors will think oh, okay this is an infection and i understandable it's a four-month-old baby they're cautious but i'm like no it's a teething cough give these remedies and then you mm -hmm. can manage it mm -hmm. so if parents are sensitive to this and they don't want their child to be unnecessarily given an antibiotics um, obviously they go to the doctor first yeah there's an issue and if the doctor just quickly writes a thing saying here's an antibiotic we'll see if this works is yeah. there something they can say to the doctor should they ask at that point to say look yeah. is it really necessary are you sure it's a bacterial infection I mean are there questions they should have at the doctor's point to just say ready are we sure this is what we really need to do can we do something else first obviously so if it's a real infection yes but I'm about to say that when it's a yeah. real infection, you see it. So yeah. have the red flag symptoms first. The real infection can be um, you're, the signs in the child. The, there has been an, a prolonged over 10 days immune response, whatever we're saying, if it's viral or bacterial. They have this thick, stick, sticky mucus. It usually smells um, very pale, dark circle. Another for me um, indicator is the up and down fever without using paracetamol because paracetamol will make fevers go up and down yeah, and actually yeah. prolong a viral response. Um, but if you see the viral coming up and down, you have the smell, then there are signs this is a bacterial infection. I have seen kids with these symptoms and it's been going on for days, nearly a week. I'm like, they need an antibiotic now. There's just no energy. So if you're going to a doctor with those symptoms, you know what you're dealing with. If you don't have those symptoms, ask the doctor straight out, is this a bacterial or viral infection? If they say they don't know, going well, how can we, how can sure we first. check yeah. exactly? And then you can just ask, is or rule this, it out? That's a good rule it out. <laughs> Very good phrase. Term. Yeah. yeah. Can rule we rule it out. out a viral infection? Yeah. And then you can ask, is this the only treatment we can give? What else can we give? Now at the moment, 
uh, the, the fashion, it's not the fashion, what's the word? The, the new trend. trend is to give steroids, which all, they have their other. Yeah, because it makes the kids well. seem better right away. Exactly. So at the moment when it's viral, they're giving steroids. When they think it's bacterial, they're giving antibiotics. And But you can always ask those, one, know the red flag symptoms yourselves, and two, ask, can we verify? What did you, what's the phrase you said? Can we check, rule, it, rule out? it out? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And can I That's, ask? I, I've had to use that term. Just to just to get the doctor to actually yeah. investigate what was actually going you on. You have to understand, sorry, because you say this quickly. Yeah, doctors don't have a lot of time. Like I yeah. do have a lot of compassion for doctors, the pediatricians I and doctors I work with. They have 15 minutes. Yeah. They haven't got the resources. Like it would make sense to have a lab just close by. Okay, test the bacteria, test the sputum, the mucus, yeah. and we'll see. They'll know, but they don't. And also there are certain rules they have to follow. For example, this may have changed now, but as far as I was aware, if, it was about, if it's an ear infection, they're obliged to give um, antibiotics, even though over 80% of them are viral. So there's certain rules. So I understand why they're giving, but if you, they, they're willing to work with you if you work with them, as far as I'm, I've, the experience I've had, I'm not sure about everywhere. I was going to ask with um, if there's a, uh, an idea of a timeline. So, so with your remedies, um, I know it's going to be different from child to child and what they're suffering with, but yeah. roughly how long would it take for oh, the remedies to kick in? And right. Expect? I love this question because, okay, <laughs> let me get roll my sleeves up here. Say, you shouldn't. <laughs> no, not necessarily. It depends if the child's never had um, what virus they have, if they've never had antibiotics or if they have had antibiotics. So everything you need to know at remedies, this is the thing with homeopathy is people think you give the remedy and it instantly goes away the miracle cure and that's the exception not necessarily the rule generally you want to show see signs of remedy reaction that it's going progressing in the right direction so for example if you have somebody coming if i have somebody ringing me and they're like oh my god they had yellow thick yellow snot and there's no other signs of bacterial infection I'm like right give hep or sulf they ring me then about a few hours later going right it's become a lot fluid has gone white right that's a sign of everything so there's a change right just in a matter of hours just in the amount of hours. Okay. Now it can, you, uh, like I said, there's three stages to acute. So you might need different remedies over a few days. Although if you get the um, stage one remedy very early, you can avoid the other stages, mm -hmm. but it can over a few hours, but you want to see progress. That's yeah. the main thing. You want to see progress. Usually with a fever, parents want homeopathy to like stop the fever straight away. What I want is that you want an effective fever. The fever goes up, it stays and the child's comfortable. So can we just interject here the reason for fever? Yes. I was actually talking to another podcast and I was like, maybe I've got this wrong, but they don't, the exact reason we know we need a fever to kill off um, the yeah, pathogens. Yeah, so it's a positive sign. But they don't really know exactly why. <laughs> so in theory, homeopathy is like certain pathogens, this is what I've observed, have a certain fever and it kills it off. Like for example, um, how, what am I thinking of? German measles and chicken pox, I'm thinking in French, always has a 39 degree fever. 3940 whereas coxsackie virus is 38 and i've always seen the pattern obviously it can depend on the patient but um the fevers are there to their state they're called stage one they're the stage one um great sign that immune system is working yeah. and you want an affection one you want one that comes up it stays it doesn't go up and down and then goes away that's it very straightforward yeah so that's when sweating it out <laughs> yeah exactly so for parents it's 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 a very scary thing when your child has a yeah. has a fever and you have to be careful of like not letting them pass too high of a temperature because then you have to but that's the thing them. but the other thing is you don't want to constantly give fever reducer so that they never yeah. reach 
the effective part of a, yeah. of a yeah. And this is where I observed over the last decade is giving paracetamol or dolipran or Tylenol or Calpol to other parts of the world. It, it prolongs the viral reaction. Yeah. And so that's when actually like the whole system is drained and then you need, you get the secondary bacterial infection. Mm. So I thought I was the only one being a homeopath. I'm like, well, nobody listens to me, but I thought maybe there's other people in the, in the medical community observing this and they are observing it. They don't know how, and they don't know why. Well, we kind of, with the fever thing, we understand. Yeah. They are observing it as well. There's, there's talk about it. And um, so funny enough about, about the high fever, and that's usually in children for febrile convulsions, is that can be generally it's high fevers and it's to do with the speed that the fever comes on. It's not the temperature. You can get some kind of 38 or 39 yeah. and it's generally in the family. So if you have a parent yeah. or somebody in the family that has that, then you have to observe your children. And um, so it's the speed of the flip that causes mm-hmm. the problem. And one, um, one in a, a one-off is very scary. It's not the most dangerous. It's you having more than one in a 24 hour period. That's when you have a problem. When you say one off, it's just spiking and then going away or spiking. And then you have a child who then convulses and then stops. So that's actually what doctors and that's what parents. Yeah, they're very frightened. And I completely understand that. So that's why I'm always I want the group. If you're a patient of mine, I'm always on call. Like, right. I'm going to talk you through this fever. So there's always that support. It's not I, um, I always wish there was a course on. I know there's first aid courses for parents, but I wish there was a bit more about a better health course. So you felt empowered mm-hmm. and understood the signs and symptoms. You're not feeling totally helpless and just running to the exactly. hospital. Exactly. No idea what's happening. And if I make the wrong choice, I'm going, am I going to kill my child? That's the fear, a big fear in patients. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. understandable. And if there's any doubt, always call the doctor or go to the hospital. Yeah. Don't even ring me. Just <laughs> yeah. ring the doctor. Yeah. 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 Or go straight to the hospital. Exactly. Take us through just an example. I mean, you have said, you know, you, you wait, you, you get in touch with looking at the different types of mucus, but yeah. if, if someone is, is doing this program, they're learning first yeah. about signs and symptoms, they're learning yeah. about these red flags. What is the treatment like if for people who don't know anything oh, okay. about homeopathy, what, what do they do? What is the, okay. So homeopathic remedies. So I'll go with homeopathic remedies. I give little granules. So the little round balls, um, they come in various dubious forms, homeopathy, or is laughing with the patients as they can come in white powders, it can come in black pills, but generally it's the granules and they are made from various different sources and they're diluted down of substance. Some of them can be um, plants, some of them can be minerals, some of them can be animal products, and they are made into a homeopathic remedy and you'll generally get them in a tube or if you're a patient of mine, a bag, little granules. And then as soon as you get your symptom, you take one granule, stick it under your tongue and it will melt. And that's how you take the homeopathic remedies in an acute your body uses up the 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 substance very very quickly so i repeat this every hour and that's what's great is that for example medication you're like can you overdose you can't over in my opinion in an acute you can't overdose in homeopathy Mm -hmm. the worst that could happen in homeopathy is that the remedy is a very deep curative remedy for you and you get a return of all symptoms like eczema or something like that that's but that's actually a great sign but i wish Mm -hmm. more people knew it but that's what the remedy that's just it comes back and then goes away or that it exactly yeah it's like oh i've got this flare what is this it's very rare it's happened to me a few times okay. and uh, that's when people say oh, do you have a quick minute like what's this remedy like without your case i don't know because i happened to be one time with a little girl I said i'll just take sulfur rang me the next day head to toe and eczema i was like oh god it's like was that eczema in the history oh yeah i didn't tell you that so now i'm like no i need to know a bit of a medical history first yeah yeah that's fascinating because i i think a lot of people 
don't even believe in homeopathy and think, you know, it's just whatever, the sugar pills yeah. and, but I mean, as you have just pointed out, you, your body does use it. It can have. Yeah. Amazing There's loads of, of new research. It's the oldest source of medicine. So the, the fact that people don't believe in homeopathy, people are mixing remedies before medicine yeah. was even invented. <laughs> that was That's the medicine. actually, it's around the time. Homeopathy, the actual system that we know now, only came about in the 18th century. Mm. But what happened was it's based on principle from thousands of years yeah, ago that yeah. you can either cure with opposites or you can cure with similars. Yeah. Homeopathy means similar suffering. So it gives you, some, for example, belladonna. Mm. Belladonna is, it, if you took belladonna, you would look like you were having a high delusional fever. So we give belladonna in those substances, in those instances. And that's why the B in ABC is belladonna. So that's how you choose a homeopathic okay. remedy. It's, it looks similar to your symptom picture. Okay. And the reason why it's controversial, if anyone's listening to like, why is, why are they saying controversial? It's because the substances are diluted down so much that technically there's nothing physically, chemically in them. Yeah. But there's new exciting research to debate that mechanism, which is very exciting. So in this, in the example of belladonna, is it, is it, a, is it the idea that just that tiny, tiny, tiny little nuanced touch is enough to create the right immune response that it, your body sees it and is like, oh, you know this? Yeah, it kind of gives a, a step up. In theory, I always think, I mean, yeah, it kind of, I think it energetically, it gives your, your whole system like a leg, do you call it a leg up in the, yes, <laughs> leg up. it's a bit like a leg up. It's like, translating, oh, right, translating yeah. <laughs> So it's a bit like a leg up. It's like, right, we'll give it a bit more energy so it can do what it needs to do. And it supports- Which is the concept of supporting holistically the body. Exactly. It works with your immune system rather than suppressing it. So would you say, if we go back to, you gave an example about sulfur and the eczema. We've got lots of yeah. sul sulfurous items in our kitchens. Many of us do anyway. Yeah. Um, you won't get eczema for them, don't worry. <laughs> I'm not touching that broccoli. <laughs> but the, you know, things like sulforaphane in microgreens, which we know, you know, mm -hmm. we're able to find them much easier now. Um, in garlic, for example, yep. the allicin from garlic and mm -hmm. things. Which is a natural antibiotic. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. So could could people um, try with these? Would they have a positive effect in your opinion? Um, I think so. Yeah. I think so. When you all because remedy reaction is not just exclusive to homeopathy, you can use it for any holistic, more natural, mm. supportive approach to treating the immune system, as long yeah. as you know that the body's going in the right direction. Yeah. So garlic is definitely one of them. The other one would be honey. Honey is a, incredibly a curative. Yeah, as long as it's Pure, natural. raw honey. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The not, other one would not be not store bought honey. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Non-pasteurized. Yeah. What's the other thing? Is so, like gargle with salt water. If you have a really bad throat, you gargle mm. with salt water. You can even flush your nose with salt water as well, and that can flush out more. Yeah. It's more to do with bacterial rather yeah. than viral. Yeah. Viral, you want to support the immune system. You want to support because it is a different process. Mm. So that would be garlic. That would be anything. Um, bone broth. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank. Now. I'm a, I'm a big fan of sulforaphane because I have read that it actually destructs and breaks down the bacterial membrane. Eats away oh. it, trumps away oh, it. Like so I'm a massive yeah. fan of sulforaphane. Oh, do you mean anything with a bit of a broccoli or, yeah. or a Brussels sprout? Exactly. The broccoli you stem. You can't go wrong. They but, should not oh. be throwing broccoli stems out. It's more I put them in my curries. Yeah, great. Oh, that's good to know. Great, great, great. I love just chopping them up and eating them. Give yeah. us a quick rundown of some of the top foods for sulforaphane. It's all the cruciferous, so it'd be the cauliflower, the kale, 
um the microgreens are richer so if you yeah. are able to find someone that is growing microgreens they're going to be much more potent in their sulforaphane content than so the broccoli actual sprouts. vegetable yeah exactly kids would love growing them they would so yeah. they do yeah they do so we're our first podcast episode you can go back and look at it um was on microgreens and yep. she was talking about oh, uh, yeah. broccoli greens broccoli microgreens yeah so i i you know in in an ideal world there should be a nursery growing microgreens in every town city village <sighs> in the country so yes. everyone had um uh community gardens to, yeah yeah but um as elsa has explained herself from the nursery it's actually very easy to grow them yourself at home yeah so that would be one thing that lots of mums and dads could try doing with their kids and have a bit of fun with it. Interesting you're saying this because I literally just over here, you can see where my hand is, I have uh, my sprouting my <laughs> for my garden, my cauliflower, my kale, my spinach, red cabbage and cauliflower and broccoli. I've also right got there. my kale I miss, seeds. I miss I having my kale a garden. Seeds yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, great. just needs a bit little bit of cooler weather actually are in to help them along yeah 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 it's heartbreaking growing broccoli <laughs> so julia tell us one example of maybe your a case of one of your patients that was like wow this really is working i love what i'm doing like something that oh, really God. one of the i'm sure you have well, many but i do to the top of your is mind. there a case that sits deeply that you think for, for the abc method well i'll tell yeah. you the abc method is the reason why oh yeah okay so i have multiple cases of because everyone thinks with kids that all kids just you get an antibiotic that's it mm. but loads of kids with the parents would say to me going oh, no, my child's never had an antibiotic and i would just like you know this is years ago start the abc method go over very briefly and they've always stuck with it like nope never ever had an antibiotic so that is that shocks That's a lot amazing. of people most yeah. recent because uh, I launched the course only last year was uh, a mum who said to me um I haven't been to the doctor I haven't needed to go to the doctor since and all friends were like why do you never go to the doctor because I know I had to do it at home and it's always the doctor's even like where have you been so that <laughs> is quite it started off I'm talking about kids but the ABC method actually started off with an adult it was the parent of a patient who said I'm coming down with something. I have a meeting. I cannot be sick. What do I ask you? What do you have? So you have ABC. ABC is a common combination of homeopathic remedies that's used. For what, what is the ABC stand for? Okay. So ABC is called aconite, belladonna, chamomilla. They're the three main remedies that you would give for, um, there's a few others actually, onset of um, a fever. So I put them in combination, which is not classical homeopathy, but from year decade of doing the methodology. And is this your own program that you've done? Um, the whole program, yes. Okay. I, I know other homeopaths who have given ABC in the past, but the whole like the three steps, I don't know. I don't think I know any of the homeopathies doing that at all. I'm making it down so it's really logical. Mm -hmm. um, I and I always do this. It's strategic. It's not classical homeopathy, but it is the step that it introduces parents to. Um, oh, now I want to learn about remedies and actually what's a sign, what's a symptom, and oh, I can now when I say, for example, if you have a child who, no matter what their symptom is, they just want hugs and they're clingy, they're supposed to tell the child. Now they have time because they have the relief. They're already giving the homeopathy. They're not worried like, what if I'm going to give it? What if it's wrong? What if it doesn't work? They're already supporting the body, and then they can see the pulsatilla symptoms. Like I can see these symptoms now in real life. It's not just mm -hmm. theory in a book because homeopathy and practicing, in my opinion, if you're very new to it, can look very theoretical but you want to put it into real life. So my dad was a chiropractor and part-time homeopath. He oh, added it as something to his thing. And the, the thing that was so fascinating to me is anytime I would feel like I was coming down with something, he would yeah. 
pull out his book and he would run through these questions and it would be yeah. questions you would never think. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling? Are you clingy? Is, is the, yeah. is the patient, um, despondent or, or even positional things like do oh, they yeah. stretch out their legs or are they more curled in a ball? Yeah. I, it's really fat. When you really go into homeopathy, it's fascinating. Yeah. All of the different minute little signs. And that uh, example, can you imagine if you were a mom, your child was ill and I was ringing you saying, uh, what way are they drinking their juice? Like, were they eating? And you're like, they have a fever. Just give me something. So right. that's why I came up with the strategy. Mm -hmm. But yes, that's what you want to do. You want to observe those. those they're mostly symptoms. I, I was a pulsatilla child. Oh, you're a pulsatilla child. I'm a pulsatilla. I'm pul <laughs> Don't leave me. Why are you leaving? You have to go to work? No. <laughs> yeah, definitely there. You probably weren't like that. I am. No, I wasn't, I wasn't too cleaning. But he definitely, <laughs> I definitely was given pulsatilla a few times. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I shock a few homeopaths because there's classical homeopathy, there's different branches of homeopathy, there's different methodologies. And they would say that you were born with one homeopathic remedy and that's your only remedy. Like I call it the one remedy that rules really? them all. So that's very classical homeopathy. And um, is I, that idea that if you're ever out of balance throughout your life, you just, you just take, take that remedy? Yeah. Interesting. So now we're doing more to do with layers that actually modern living, there's loads of layers like drug layers and nutritional layers. And we have to look at all of that. And if you, if anyone's listening to this and they know homeopathy, I come across as very phosphorus, you know, homeopathy, you must know phosphorus. Mm -hmm. It does nothing for me. Mine okay. is sulfur. I give me a, so anything I have, give me a sulfur 10 M and I just bounce okay. right back. Yeah. So it's quite interesting. So that's where kind of sometimes homeopathy, studying homeopathy can be, it's your greatest, like you're constantly learning because like this person looks like a, like a podium and you give it to them. It's like, oh my God, it's doing nothing. What do I do now? <laughs> Interesting. And the good thing about homeopathy is that you can play around with things because you're, yeah. you're not going to have toxic reactions or Absolutely side not. effects or anything. Like that. Just a slight positive aggravation, not positive in the moment, but it's a good thing. Stir, yeah. Stirring up some yeah. heated things. Yeah. yeah. If people are interested in doing this and they aren't anywhere nearby um, and they want someone who they can actually come to at all hours, like let's say in the U.S., they can't. Yes, I do. At the same hour. <laughs> who or what do they look for they look for a registered homeopath how does how Great does question. find a good homeopath and um, so look at your local register so usually what people say like, where do i find a register so look mm -hmm. for your colleges and your in your universities in your country and they will they will mention a register so in the uk and europe there's different registers and so you'll find a local homeopath and also word of mouth you want to know what approach that homeopath takes because like i said there's many different um avenues to homeopathic treatment. So find out which homeopath resonates with you. A lot of homeopaths now work online. Um, so I have like patients around the world, but if you prefer someone local, go for word of mouth. That would be good. So that you understand what approach they're taking. Okay. And is there a certain uh, degree or certification or it just varies by country or? It varies by country. And that is, I, I have a license and I have a degree. And so in certain countries, generally to be registered in the medical system of the country, you have to be a doctor in that country and um, other countries, I would be a doctor. So it depends on around generally, for example, a lot of people think it's a weekend course, but to be a fully <laughs> professional license, it's taken me six years. Yeah, it's very complicated. I mean, it's, it's very it's, long. It's similar to Chinese medicine because there's just so many facets yeah. and layers and tiny yeah. little things to know it's, it's... and they say you're only re a, like a real homeopath after 25 years and i've only been doing it for 16 yeah 
I believe oh, I that's only ago. 16. I believe that because it's similar with nutrition. I mean, there's so many short yeah. nutrition courses and people think that they can yeah. go out and tell everyone else um, how to eat. Yeah. Um, I spent you have to know five the years just studying about nutrition yeah. and I still feel like I'm a beginner despite having all the case studies and the clinical stuff yeah. afterwards. It's just once you open that can of worms, <laughs> that learning doesn't stop ever and it's your patients that they're the biggest teachers exactly exactly every case you learn something new Mm -hmm. so yeah definitely looking for someone registered i said that is the 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 big word yeah and word of mouth too because yeah you know if yeah lots of people uh, there are lots of people who are registered and practice and and yeah don't see results with people so Mm. so yeah you have to find someone who was i think that's even the same with doctors find someone who resonates with you and i'm a big believer in having a team yeah. have your holistic have yeah. your you for a truly holistic health if that's where you want to support your health have your nutritionist have your homeopath mm. herbalist have your team around you your osteopath mm. chiropractor and, your, and even your doctor and everyone kind of you'll yeah. see a pattern that they'll all get on yeah. you can imagine them, if they all went out for a drink together would they get on if they say yes that's <laughs> yeah. a good sign yeah and as you were saying when, when you have your team it's actually really nice this just this morning I recommended that a lady contact Julia because I felt it was more her competency than my competency so yeah. it's nice to have that yeah it's nice and to your course as well team. yeah your cleanse and reboot I say check out cleanse and reboot yeah so yeah, yeah. and that leads into maybe I'll talk about you and skincare and talk oh, yeah. through skincare because that's um, that was my thing for ages yeah it was and it still is in a way because yeah. you also that was kind of the way you helped yourself wasn't it as well yes so a bit of homeopathy is going back, so this leads into homeopathy brought me to this um when you're analyzing a case from a homeopathic and it's the same with nutrition as well mm. you're looking always at the origin of your symptoms are the symptoms coming from a weakened system or is there an external factor and these are different in homeopathic terms they call them exciting cause or maintaining causes mm. so i am um, spoke years about everyone even women need specific more specifically women but everyone needing to change their personal care products yeah. it started one night 12 years ago i think and i just wanted thicker hair it was pure vanity I I wasn't thinking about my health at all mm-hmm. looked at all this research and I do look like Christine and I agree like I love looking at research yeah. I love reading research papers yeah we are a and, uh, in that respect oh so good and you get a decent one you're like this is good <laughs> and um so I looked at all this research about the ingredients I'm like this is and I knew about it. I was a homeopath already it's like I knew about this but to this extent and so I when you know that when you've seen the research you can't actually put the products on your skin anymore so the next day I'm like no that can't do it swapped everything immediately which not everybody can do and I had previously just, had just to interrupt so you're talking yeah. about harmful chemicals that are in most of the over-the-counter yes. cosmetics personal cosmetic, care products shampoo to toothpaste shampoo, all makeup, of this yeah yeah it's shifted a lot I have to say in the last over the last decade of when I started yeah, the absolutely. ingredients I read the European cosmetics directive is really starting to slowly change things so there has been a huge shift but still it's I was talking to um the environmental toxin nerd which I know I think Christine yeah. knows as yeah. well and she was saying it's unless we change the testing limits there's always mm-hmm. going to be a problem with these new ingredients coming out exactly and some um, of the in- new ingredients are as bad or if not worse oh yeah there's no research there's nothing no No. No, there's no background and when someone puts something on their skin a lot of people don't realize that your skin absorbs everything directly into your bloodstream 
yeah process so if you are slathering on a bunch of chemicals every single day it's going to be in your system hair care products lotions mm -hmm. any kind of yeah. ointments or creams or anything yeah builds and up this is day build up. after day after it's day. build up yeah. day after day after day so yeah. you know there yeah. was originally there was that quote that the um, the dose is not the poison the dose is the poison about how much you remember. put on your yes. skin or how much of a chemical you may get in in one go yeah would determine the effect but it's not that it could be micro no. micro amounts on you know just well, you think exposure of on a daily basis exactly yeah, yeah. So and that's what the 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 testing that's what everyone's trying to everyone um scientists are trying to recommend the testing limits because the limit of testing of these ingredients is to produce pathology so it's like oh well, well this is the limit now there's no pathology from this but they're actually not looking at what it is doing yeah. it just doesn't yeah. kill off something that's all of what they're looking at now so that needs to change and uh, but there is I mean historically a lot of people would say would you just just stop using products but we've always decorated our body and I don't want to kind of if I say to a patient just stop using makeup and they like it I'll just like well we'll find a different alternative there's great brands out there now that's the fantastic yeah. thing yeah there's great I mean, brands out there. for the longest time and possibly even now there's still a certain amount of lead in red lipstick yeah yeah, yeah, I don't think many people even realize that. Yeah, the amount and of that's lead the thing. women are eating on a daily basis just by licking on their lips. On a daily basis, yeah. And it's very political. That's that's the thing as well people forget is that the um, the cosmetic directive, unless it's changed, the last one I'm looked, it's to support the consumer and the business. Mm -hmm. So they want business to go out like to crumble. So that so it's always kind of, so you have to, yes, it's there to protect us, but you have to make the decision yourself and research your own ingredients. I actually have on my website, if anyone's interested, I have my top 10 of what I would recommend yeah. you eliminate, you avoid, I want to say. Yeah. 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 Great. That's a good resource. Like the dirty dozen. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great list. It's so yes, easy to remember. It yeah. It's always the same, really. Spinach, strawberries, apples. Yeah. 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 Strawberries, yeah. apples. Yeah. The top things, make sure you buy organic. Yeah. Um, so going back to the ABC method, if people are interested in this, Yes. They can go to your website. They can sign yeah. up for the program and they can learn it. It's not just for parents with kids. No, not at all. Anybody. Yeah. If you are. And, and uh, it's really just understanding the different steps of being sick. What to, yeah. What the immune, what the immune system is naturally trying to do and you support it each step. So naturally, so you know what's a natural part of your body saying, okay, exactly. This is the, this is the and why it's doing it better. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have a question. Can they, um, do they use the protocols just when something happens? Because I, I know a lot of people start taking something and then they keep taking something. Yeah. So for example, echinacea is one of them. Now we know that it's great for the immune system, but you're not supposed to take it every day. All the time. No, the it's time. not a preventative. No. ABC method is when you have it. When, okay. So that's the difference between your innate immunity and adaptive immunity. Yeah. So viral infections and even to a certain extent, bacterial infections, there's an adaptive immunity to it. It's mostly viral. Mm. But actually what you want is you're looking at your innate immunity, that's preventative. So you're looking at lifestyle. The ABC method is when you're ill. And it's, it's, I'm just preparing a re reel. We were talking about reels. I hate doing these things. But I'm preparing a reel to, to kind of discuss prevention versus cure and actually why you need both. Because yeah. prevention is all about stress. It's about diet. It's about remind me christine my head's gone <laughs> diet <laughs> well, it's everything in your, yeah your sleep it's you know it's everything yeah. you do on a daily basis isn't it so it's your exposures yeah. now if you've had a shocking event or lifestyle mm -hmm. you're moving house or something and all yeah, that trauma. goes to the wayside yeah exactly your immune system will will um mm. i don't want to say suffer what do i want to say or react. I don't want to be dramatic 
will, will react. react. And so you don't want to be, okay, right, you'll fall, you'll become ill. Mm. But so you don't want to take something that, that will make even for, well, kind of then impede further your innate immunity by antibiotics and doliprane. So that's mm. why I'm like, hey, you need a cure. I don't care if it's the ABC method or whatever. Yeah. Just have a natural cure that supports your immune system. Mm. Great advice. And it's so important for us to be more in touch with our body, to know, yeah. okay, this type of mucus that's starting to just if it glows in the dark, nose. it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> and so there are signs. And yeah, I it glow in the dark mucus. <laughs> more in touch with my body because my my parents were always, whenever I'd be sick, I just know yeah. I I would have to, you know, this was before texting, but I would have to tell my parents, okay, my snot has turned yellow. And they're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, do this. And then you know, if it was ever coming out green, I'd be like, oh crap. All right. We need yeah. to, we need to yeah. do something. Rush it out. Yeah. And then, and then I would be like, I'd call up my mom and be like, oh, it's gone clear. Good. <laughs> yeah. We love, is it running? Is it constant running? Is it going to get your nose? That's fantastic. Yeah. So it's important. I love mucus people, actually. <laughs> people are more in touch with their body. They know the different yeah. signs. And it's really empowering. You don't have that, that anxiety, that health anxiety. Cause like, okay, mm -hmm. I know what the body's doing. And equally like you were saying, it, it, it can take time. There's a few things I think people expect just to get, it's modern living if you're a parent going back to kids if you're a parent or even if you're an, an adult and you cannot take time off work there is that feel of i need to get quickly well yesterday mm, better and me, yeah. that's one thing i wish society could change is that you you're allowed to properly rest because like i said this is a recovery stage you yeah. do that well and you won't get sick for the rest of the winter yeah but we don't do that no, too well we need to give our bodies time time is a great healer yeah exactly rest mm -hmm. rest yes yeah <laughs> And that's what you see in winters with their uh, patients mm. is that like come September, it sounds weird, but I'm like, I want everyone to get a bit of a cold in September because yeah. you want to get it early, yeah. get your body, get those antibodies, get the exposure. But if you don't treat that right, and then you, this always happens. So they'll take the antibiotic or they'll take the Lemsip is another one with a slow level paracetamol, paracetamol. Like I'm totally fine. I'm like, it's gone. So I hate to, I'm, I'm, I am the bearer of bad news. <laughs> come yeah, back and I'm like, you. that's, I'm going to hear from you in two weeks. And they're like, no. It's like 10 days to two weeks and we won't put money on it. And they always come back. It's like, oh my God, it's come back. And it's like never left. Mm. It was just hidden. And so then, it, then you can, so if they don't, if you don't have a homeopath or you're not aware of this, what happens then you take the antibiotics and the lemsip again, then another dose of antibiotics. And then, yeah. and then you get this, the real side this effects of the antibiotics. Cycle, and you're in this brutal cycle. Yeah, you're in, there's another layer to it now. It's not just your immune system was slightly weakened and it couldn't fight off a virus. You now have permanent change to your microbiome. Yeah. It's a bit like throwing uh pesticides onto the grass and destroying yeah. not just the grass but all the different types of weeds yeah. that are there and some of them are positive ones and some of them are not so yeah. positive but that's what an antibiotic would do it will just wipe out the whole lot so yeah you've then got if you keep repeating that you've then got to grow a new garden <laughs> yeah and it takes time yeah, it i have does. a lot of people and they, i didn't expect that last year like the child, child was already on the fourth antibiotic of antibiotics mm. and this kind of I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the group i'm coming up with another mini course because i'm like right if you've already had all of this yes we can still use the abc method there mm. your stage two the mucus is going to last a lot longer because the gut yeah. the your mucus your mucus membranes is linked to your gut flora and so you'll constantly have and this i would ability. assume i don't know if it's been tested i have no idea but i would assume that the different types of mucus have all different types of bacteria in it yeah um, well different like it depends it has on the its patient. own flora 
Yeah, your mucous membrane, your microbiome is all, is all the way through your body. Yeah. It's not, we know about the one in the gut, but it's actually everywhere. all the way through the one in the lungs. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. They now know the one in the lungs to protect your, your lungs from any pathogens mm-hmm. is, is yeah. directly linked to how well it is in your gut. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much more we need to learn about it. The research yeah. these days, like Christine will know, this is, is fascinating. <laughs> Even for herbs, they now yeah. know that how but how we respond to herbal medicine yeah. is that it's how your, your gut will digest the herb and release mm. a secondary compound. Mm. And it's the secondary compound that is the active form. Yeah. I didn't know that. Interesting. The, so the study so of the microbiome is actually a new science. Yeah. So And, and, and doctors you, still don't say it's an organ. No. It's an organ. Yeah, and when you were talking before about time, it's a bit like I, when I try to explain to my clients about trying to rebuild their microbiome, it's a bit like thinking about if when you're starting, when you're laying down a new garden, if you do have a garden or even a terrace, yeah, the yeah. first year you might not get anything. Anything. You know, you're, pl- you're doing the planting, yeah. but you might not get much flower. It might just, you know, it's there, but it's not doing much. Yeah. But over time, so the second and third and fourth season, more and more starts appearing. Yeah. And the growth gets better. As long as you keep feeding it the right things and you don't keep. Really interesting that you brought that up. I just had this conversation with somebody on Instagram um, and what they were saying about foods they wouldn't eat. Mm. And it was all about margarines and raw butter. I'm like, Christine knows I'm very allergic to dairy products, yeah. really allergic to the protein dairy products, got hemiplegic migraines. And so when I was just cooking, it's like, right, I'll do margarine, but I didn't want to eat it. And it's taken me, I'd say six years, like a really six years of dedication of working at my gut. And I now can have raw butter. I don't get anything. Mm, right. Whereas that's when you're talking about time, it's it's like yeah. constant yeah. work in it. No, I'm not living like a saint. I mean, seen seen that, but I don't <laughs> live like a saint. But yeah, it takes dedication and just time. You're not doing anything wrong if you're not getting better in a few months. Mm-hmm. And that's my slight issue with the probiotic is that we are in a consumer mentality thing of I take the probiotic and fine. That's yeah, like, yeah, and and, and we know as well. And I'll get better. Yeah, we know now. It's also about prebiotics, probiotics, mm-hmm. and postbiotics. Yeah. I mean. There's a, yeah. it's a massive space. Go back to broccoli. Yeah, exactly. Go yeah. to your garlic and your sulforaphane. And, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bit of a stir fry. And, com- <laughs> and kombucha. Do we have an episode on that too? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And, and the raw honey we do. And raw so, honey. Oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, we, we're touching on all of the, all of our previous issues yeah. here. <laughs> we have all of them in the region as well. It's a great, like we, we have everything in this region. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Now we just yeah, need we to get do. the wine on. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Have we got a wine person? Maybe well, we can find a natural wine person yeah. in the region. Yeah. A natural, you need someone from Chateau Bern. Chateau de Bern? I have contacts with Chateau de Bern. Well, there, because I t- did wine tasting there and great conversation. Very interesting. Mm. So listeners, mm, watch, this watch this space. Watch this space. All right. Well, thank you so much. Can we do much. a tasting? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll invite you, Julia. That would be really interesting. We'll do a microbiome positive uh, wine tasting. (laughs) (laughs) I could just vision where that could go. (laughs) That would be really good. We definitely have to maybe maybe a bit of a reach that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Julia. We'll have the links to your website. Thank you so much for having me. And um, again, if someone is with a child who spikes fever, absolutely see the doctor. Go to the hospital. But look into this program and make sure before antibiotics are prescribed that the doctor is sure that it's a bacterial infection. Just ask, yeah. talk, open conversation with your doctor and, um, and then look into alternative things to make sure that we're not overusing them. 
Exactly. They are important. They're wonderful. They save lives. We like them. They're overused. Right. All right. Join us next time. And uh, if you liked this, please like and subscribe and share it with your friends. <laughs> <laughs>